I'm at Doc Train 2008 talking with Joe Sokol, who has been presenting on some some user experience research. So, Joe, tell me what was the title of your presentation and what was it about? It was the Kobayashi Maru approach to uh, user centered design: uh, how to change the rules to create better. Uh, documentation and training material. Focused really on a uh, a case study of work that I've done uh, with the company that I'm with. So what are the rules that you're changing? Well, the rules rules are are specific to each engagement in each place. But in any engagement that we have, we encounter rules. We encounter the status quo. And in some cases, the, that status quo creates a no-win situation. You can't talk to users, and we'll tell you what it is that you need to produce, and you need to produce stuff that uh, is like things we produced before. And sometimes those are no-win uh, uh, rules for people who want to create user-centered content, whether it's a user-centered approach to product design or uh, website development or application development, training materials, or documentation. Specific to this talk, I was uh, keeping it focused on the idea of creating user-centered training material, which is an interesting thing that I think that trainers have a tendency not even to ever talk to users. So why is it that that a lot of times company executives or whoever is defining the deliverables, why are they so off-target? Because they're lazy. They're, they're, and that's really what it is. They're lazy. It's easy for them to do it that way. Their goals are to meet a target that was uh, identified for them. They promised an executive above them that they would have this training done or this software done by a certain date. Um, Alan Cooper said recently that no customer is asking us to early ship a bad product. But we never put it in those way, terms. If we said to our Uh, uh, business partners, are you asking me to early ship a bad product? The answer, of course, is going to be no. And um, I think that what we need to do is take a user-centered approach to project creation in order to to deliver something that is uh, appropriate for users. How do you find out exactly what is appropriate for users? I think a lot of it has to do with taking uh, certain methodologies and approaches that are, exist in the marketplace, um, and there are a bunch of them. They, they, we can start with usability engineering from Jacob Nielsen, and we can talk about activity-centered design that Don Norman talks about, or emotion design, as he talks about. Uh, Mike Kuniofsky has done a very good book on uh, observing the user research, and there are different techniques. But the bottom line is to to watch real people doing real things. Uh, in their environment. So the three points are task, uh, person, and environment. And if we can find those things out, then we can base a solution on that problem. And that's how we get to an appropriate solution. And that's why a solution for one environment or user group or or, uh, persona is not necessarily the right answer for another one. So in order to gather this research, uh, you had to go into the field, so to speak. Tell me about the experiences. I mean, you have to do that. And it, interesting, in the, in the talk today and in some other in, you know, groups and talking to people, I, I hear uh, the 
well, what happens if you're not allowed to talk to users? And I, I used to say that, too, when I was a technical writer specifically. And I've, I've come to the point of saying that's just that's not good enough. We, I, think we have to be, I think we have to be a bit bolder in what we do. And we have to say that's not good enough. And if I can't actually observe real users doing real things, then whatever I produce is simply not going to be good enough. And it, it, it won't even be good. You know, so, so certainly the, the, uh, the French saying of le meilleur, le ennemi de le bon, the, you know, the best is the enemy of the good, is something to consider. You know, perfection is, is, is really not cost effective. At the same time, sometimes good enough isn't good enough. And um, in order to find where you need to be, you do have to talk to people in those environments. Now, sometimes you can be creative. You can, um, you can ask for tours of the area. You can, uh, as you're go- if you're in a company and you're going to the cafeteria and you have friends or you have acquaintances or you have department people, you can talk to them. It- you can go to a cafeteria if the company is one of the large companies that has cafeterias and observe who the people are who are eating listen to people um a lot of i mean a lot of this type of research is really just deep hanging out it's having your ears open your your empathy filter on uh so that you you are um being empathetic with people that you uh as much as you can divorce yourself and your own preconceived notions we all bring something to the table we all have have um uh, mental models of, of the way things should work. The difference is that in a user-centered, for a user-centered designer, they can uh, be much more objective and observant than other people who have other stake, you know, the stake in the game, so to speak. But as you conducted some of this research by directly interacting, contacting, observing these people. What are some surprises that you found out? Well, so so in in the the case study, one of the things that I did was I, um, I certainly had to have permission to go in and talk to people um, to be effective, and that was part of my project design. So I had to certainly sell that as a project design, and the the company was skeptical at first about the value of that, but they also didn't see harm in it. That's another way to get around that objection, to say, well, how about if I do this where it's not going to take anybody's real time, and if they get called away or if they have to do something, they can do it. By interviewing people in their cubicle or their office, you know, if they get a phone call, well, they can, you know, go do whatever. And the amazing thing for me in this particular instance was that uh, uh, the sources of information, uh, I, I knew that people would probably say they, they talked to certain people to get information about a, a, a piece of software or just information in general about their job. I was, I was pretty amazed at how, how, how nobody used uh, user manual in the particular case. And there was only, out of 12 people I talked to, only one person actually had a user manual or knew where it was. Most of the other people said, I think there's one around here somewhere. And it's part of a really old-school 1980s approach that says, okay, well, we'll print one user manual for the department. You know, and I mean, that's just useless. Um, so that, that was the big thing. And the other thing was, 
and it wasn't as much as a surprise as it was validation, is how much people absolutely hated stand-up training. Hate going to a training room, sitting in a little desk and listening to somebody do a PowerPoint and talk about how something is going to work rather than actually being able to do something. And even for the hands-on training that people have said that they had done, um, they... Um, they said that they uh, that it was useless for them too because they would do the hands-on training and then not get the system that they were being trained on for a certain amount of time, and that meant that they were um, you know, any any knowledge that they had gained would be completely just degraded. So, <clears throat> it seems like it's a relatively easy concept to just go and interview your users, find out more about them. Where do why is it that so many people don't do this, or why is it that they they skip over this? I think I think a lot of it has to do with training. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who, uh, especially in the technical writing world, have um, started off by being uh, they're very interior focused. For a lot of people, writing itself is a very interior ap- uh, um, activity. Uh, in the same way that a lot of uh, programming, uh, code writing, is very interior, very individual type of thing. Um, the other thing is that, um, you know, sometimes you get beat, you get beat down too many times. You, you just decide I, I, it's not worth trying to push against that effort. And there is resistance to uh, user-centered design. And uh, a lot of times it's because uh, lack of understanding on the part of stakeholders. Another part is that uh, sometimes we're just not bold enough to say we are equal partners in this. I mean, in, you know, in a, in, in a more perfect world, we would have – chief experience officers who would be on the same level as chief um, uh, operating officers or chief uh, information officers. But um, the companies that take that approach are fewer and far between, and they're usually consultancies and not product companies anyway. So I know a lot of writers are more introverted types of people. Mm-hmm. So so this works against them in a major way. You're saying people have to be bolder. They have to go out and contact people they don't know users they have to uh they have to raise their hand and and object to standards that their executives and higher levels are telling them don't go to users write the manual um how can how can users how can writers who are these introverts become more aggressive people and very clearly they it is as uh benjamin franklin said in 1774 join or die I mean, you either join the revolution or you go fishing. Um, it, it's very clear that there are some things you simply cannot do. We're talking, especially as we're talking about social network and social network 2.0, we're talking about designing things like uh, folksonomies. And you're talking about uh, uh, applications that, that um, are much more accessible to more people in real time. You've got to get over it. You sort of like get over yourself and just do it or find another field or write that novel that you're think you have in you so so now now that you've uh you know had this this great experience where you were able to gather user research is this now part of your standard methodology when you go into a company always i i mean the short answer is if i don't if you don't talk to users then what you do is at least severely compromised if not utterly useless um alan cooper said that the only thing more expensive than writing software is writing bad software my corollary to that is the most expensive software is software people don't use. And in addition to that, as it happened on this project, we had somebody who wrote a multiple, you know, 100-page manual. 
because that was requested and it was the wrong thing to do. I personally think it was uh, uh, it's a waste of the client's money. It's a waste of our time. There are much better things to do in life than write a silly user manual or process guide or a research uh, pro- protocol. Um, if nobody's going to use it, if nobody's going to read it, nobody's going to consume it, then it's utterly worthless. And, you know, so go do something else. I mean, that's one of the, re- you know, one of the reasons that I can cook because, you know, I, and, and I am a cook that, that, so that <clears throat> when the apocalypse comes and, you know, in all the uh, Mad Max and all those movies, you don't see many technical writers. You don't see many. But there's always somebody eating something. There's always a soup kitchen of some kind. So make sure you have a good skill out there. Um, and, and, and I really think that is if you don't want to do what you're doing, life is too short to be continually doing it. You're mentioning this reference to Alan Cooper. Can you just tell people like what the book is and, and other resources? Well, Alan, yeah, Alan Cooper is one of the um, uh, one of the people in the user experience uh, uh, world. Certainly, one of the gurus, one of the pundits. Uh, CooperDesign.com. Um, he wrote the book called About Face. He's sort of the father of. Uh, he's the father of. Um, Visual Basic, uh, he wrote it, uh, um, the application, and he had the epiphany that um, you need to design interactions such that people can use it and people will use it. Also, Don Norman. I mean, you know, if I were looking at the desert island uh, uh, sources of people to, to be in touch with, obviously Don Norman, his books like The Design of Everyday Things and uh, Emotion Design, uh, Mike Kuniowski's uh, Observing the User Experience, Christina Woodkey's uh, Blueprints for Information Architecture, and, of course, uh, Morville and Rosenfeld's Information Architecture for the World Wide Web, uh, as well as uh, companies like Adaptive Path and... Uh, um, uh, eight Shapes, uh, Dan Brown, who wrote uh, Communicating Design, is a great guide for writing um, user-centered project documentation. So, there, I mean, And the other thing is there are a lot of things. The Information Architecture Institute, UXMatters.com, the UPA, uh, so many different things. And one of the nice things, of course, is, I mean, you, you know, that Doctrain is taking such an interest in this world. It's more than just writing words. It's about helping users. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for talking with me today. I really enjoyed your presentation, and uh, I hope that people who are listening can really take this to uh, their practice. So thanks. Thanks a lot, Tom. Appreciate it.